Hello, welcome to the Sing Anyway podcast. My name is Anna. I am a voice teacher and recovering burnt out artist, and this is episode seven. Hey, y'all, welcome back. So today is very free format again. I just want to talk about some things that have been on my mind this week. So I've been thinking a lot about how I don't need to prove anything to anyone anymore as far as my talent and my voice goes. I love that statement and I also don't necessarily feel it yet. And I was having a conversation with a client yesterday about this very topic. I think that it can be so challenging coming from a university program, like a conservatory or a BFA program, opera, classical music, all of the things. I think it can be really, really difficult um, because we're being evaluated in those spaces. So really what we are doing is proving our talent. We're proving how much we've worked. We are needing to prove whether or not we've improved or not. Um, you know, for classical music, for my experience, it was like, well, the only way I can prove my worth is by singing as high as possible. <laughs> and I think my musical theater friends can probably agree. Can you belt as high as possible? Can you whatever as high as possible? Um, and if you couldn't, then that meant you probably weren't as good of a singer as the person who could, right? We tend to evaluate our talent in extremes. So like, okay, if I can't sing the high E flat at the end of Glitter and Be Gay, then I'm a bad singer. There's no in between. It's just that's the facts, okay? And then, and then on the other side of it now, it's like, I struggle a lot with my lower, my very low range. And as I'm diving into pop music, a lot of that sits a little bit lower. And so now I'm like, I'm a shitty singer that can't even sing low either. So what do I have? Just the middle notes? <laughs> uh, yeah, just the middle notes, which is literally the most important part. <laughs> I'm just laughing at myself saying that. Um, so yes, evaluating ourselves in extremes and not really giving ourselves some credit for the rest of the voice, right? And I think a big piece of this that's missing from the conversation is context, right? So for me, if I went right now and tried to get my high E back for the end of Glitter and Be Gay, it would probably come out just because of my, that's my anatomy and that's always been something that's been available to me. But it probably wouldn't sound very good and it probably wouldn't feel very good. And the first thing that I would go to is, I'm not as good as I once was. And I just want to ask to everyone, if you've had this experience, how is that fair to yourself? Of course, I haven't sung opera or that high E in probably years at this point. Why is it fair for me to expect that to just come right back in? I'm not the same voice, I'm not the same person, I'm not the same body as I was when I was in college. 
And again, I was talking with, with somebody about like warming up and how, you know, I feel like I have to really make a point to warm up before I sing or else everything sort of doesn't go well. And we were both like, yeah, you know, like in college, we were just like running around singing everything, barely warming up before practicing. <laughs> and like, should we have been doing that? I don't know. But our voices were a lot more flexible then and a lot different then. We were 18 to 22 years old. The circumstances were different. We were singing for hours upon hours a day at school. So we were pretty much always warm. <laughs> and our bodies as, as young teens and early 20s are very resilient. And as we all know, as we age, drinking hits us harder. Um, food hits us differently. Our voice tires out a little bit sooner than maybe it had in the past. And that's not a reflection on you and your unworthiness. It's just context and time and change. And this is a really hard message to internalize, but the fact that your voice has changed is a sign of growth. Growth doesn't have to be, I can sing higher and better than I did when I was 20. It can be, I sing like a 25, 26, 27 year old now. That is growth you're growing your life is blooming it has changed and i think when we get up to do performances in front of other people or we share a video on instagram or on youtube of us singing something we don't need to prove to anybody that we're a good and worthy singer with a good and worthy voice it's so hard to get out of that evaluation mindset because we all, of course, want to want to sing better than we did the last time or want to keep improving. But just think about what, what you're asking yourself to do and what you're asking others to do. Validation feels so good. No one is arguing that. But when you're in a season of your life that's out of school and you're singing for any number of reasons to reconnect to your artistry, to get back at auditions, like, yes, of course, there's a sense of validation if you're auditioning for a job, let's say. But I, I wonder what it would be like if we could try to reframe that what we're doing when we sing and perform is sharing. It's not proving anything. We already know that we're good enough the way we are. And if we don't, <laughs> we're trying to learn that. I'm adding myself in this conversation. But you don't have to sing the highest, the hardest repertoire to prove that you are worthy of singing and that you're worthy of being heard and being seen. That is baseline. I don't even care if you are the worst singer in the world you still deserve to share your voice. So bringing some context into the conversation, I'll just use myself as an example. I am really bad about warming up before I sing, before I practice. It's something that I know I need to do. It's something I know how to do very well. <laughs> and there's a part of me that 
won't do it because I want to see if I can still sing well without doing it. So this is a self-sabotaging behavior. I can tell you it creates frustration for me every single time because usually the stuff I'm jumping into without warming up is repertoire that needs my voice warmed up for. But I almost feel like it's this sense of clinging onto my youth. Well, like I said earlier, well, I didn't have to warm up, you know, when I was 19 and singing this, so why should I have to do it now? But there is so much frustration that can be avoided by giving your voice the time it needs to warm up. And the, the, the comparison I thought of yesterday was like, let's say today I decide to go run three miles. And I haven't run in like a couple of months, maybe a year. And I don't stretch, I don't do any like conditioning to sort of build myself up to this three miles. And I'm like, great, I'm gonna run three miles and I'm gonna do it in 15 minutes. So yeah, we're gonna be frustrated <laughs> because how can you possibly expect that to happen? You are not a superhuman, you're just human. And I think when we have these talents, these singing talents, it's really easy to expect a lot out of our voice. But think about how unfair it is to expect your voice to do a ton of singing without giving it the proper time to stretch and move and warm up. If you can think, this is a little bit weird, but I think if you can think of your vocal folds and your vocal cords as like a separate entity than yourself, like as a different person per se, I think sometimes that can be helpful, especially for those of us who are really hard on ourselves and who are very self-critical. These little, little cords, they're tiny. They need to be warmed up. And if you don't warm up, of course you risk yourself getting a possible injury, not to scare everyone, but you also just probably won't have as good of a practice session and you'll end up frustrated at the end of it. So really taking that intentional time to warm up. So this can be, I'll kind of give you a couple ideas for people who are like, okay, great. Well, what does a great warm up look like? So you kind of want to just start with something easy, you know, some vocal function exercises, which could be like a straw or a lip buzz or a tongue trill. Um, and you can just do that on like a five scale up and down your range. So you can do like... And go up to the top of your range and all the way back down. You can do a couple of different things there. And then the next step is just going to be kind of stretching the voice. So maybe we can do like some sliding. Sliding is literally the best thing. I learned all about sliding exercises from somatic voice work intensive that I took last summer. So you can slide through an interval of a fifth. You can do an octave. And, you know, it depends on what you're singing, but for musical theater, you can do it on a nice big aval. Um, you can do some tongue stretches, some jaw stretches, and then end up with maybe an agility exercise like um, do 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 or haven't warmed up today, as you can hear. That felt good, though. Um, <laughs> so, you know, at, at minimum, give yourself at least 10 minutes, right? If we're doing really high belting, honestly, I think you should be warming up to, for like 20 to 25 minutes. 
Um, and if you want help with that, that is honestly one of my favorite things um, is doing a belting warm up because it is amazing the difference that happens after doing a nice warm up. So feel free to sign up for a lesson. Um, but I, I think we kind of gloss over the warm up like, ah, yeah, no, I don't need that. It's fine. You need it. You need to stretch the cords. And I promise you, it's going to be less frustrating. Ideally, we would hope, right? But also on the other side of it, like, it's okay to feel frustrated. Singing can be frustrating. Again, let's bring in some context. Let's think about what we're doing. So we, air quotes, play an instrument that we are not able to physically touch or see or hear. So let's just take that in. You can't touch it, you can't see it, you can't hear it. It's not as if we can go into that instrument and, you know, press a C or move things around. We have to really build skills over time to create an instrument that we feel proud of. But it's not an immediate thing. Even when you've had years of training, the voice, what's so frustrating and wonderful about it is that it does change so drastically from day to day. It's affected by sleep. It's affected by food. It's affected by stress. It's affected by crying. It's affected by alcohol. There are so many factors at play. It's affected by sickness, reflux. I mean, anything and everything. So continue to evaluate, what am I asking of myself? And in your practice sessions, maybe try making a small goal using the criteria that we went over in episode six. So maybe for me, I'm singing a little bit of um, All That Matters Now from, I think, Finding Neverland. Is that what that show is? Couldn't tell you. Um, and there is some quite high, like, chestier mixing at the end. So maybe instead of me going through the piece from start to finish without warming up and feeling tight and tired afterward, maybe my goal is I'm going to do a 10-minute warm-up um, specifically focusing on my higher mix belt range. And then I'm just going to work on the parts of the song that have that high note in them. And I'm going to try to make my body as free as possible and do some movement while I sing those high notes. That sounds doable, right? Instead of my goal being, I have to sing this song perfectly from front to back with no warm up. One of those goals sounds like it's more achievable than the other, right? So we simultaneously have to look at big picture. So context of where we are in our life, where we are vocally, but also small picture when it comes to what is my goal for this practice session today? And if I don't achieve the goal, it's okay. Because guess what? There's tomorrow. So I think all of this really comes down to creating a healthy dialogue inside of your head, which is really difficult. And I wonder if it can be useful to do maybe some writing or maybe record your self and a voice memo talking about it if that's a better way for you to process but when those critical voices come in your head when the frustration comes in your head 
what is it saying? You know, most of the time, it's probably the same couple of things. Ask yourself who said those things to you before. And then try and reframe those voices as not you. Because they're not you. It's cultural conditioning. It's society. It's rude comments people have said to you over the years at school or after a performance. I think this is really the most important part of the work and it's also the hardest part. Because how can we not internalize things about our voice? Like I said earlier, voice is so personal to us because it's inside of us and there's no escaping that. But I think it can be really useful to treat your voice as a small child, as your younger version of yourself that wasn't afraid to fail and wasn't afraid to belt that note and crack or what have you. And I, I can feel the sadness in my voice right now because I'm working through this too. Like, this is a practice. It's turning towards yourself with compassion, which for singers a lot of the time is so hard. We just want to sing it perfectly, but it's impossible. So I just, I want to ask everybody, what happens if we don't sing something perfectly? Can we still be proud of all the work we've done up until this point? Can someone still be affected emotionally by our performance if it's not vocally perfect? Can we still manage to enjoy the act of singing when we feel like our sound doesn't sound perfect? I think it's a slow process of detaching ourselves from others' expectations of us. I don't need to sound good for you to think I'm a good singer because I know I am and I know my voice is worthy and I know that I love sharing it with people. And I think it's just also good to remember so many of the vocal performances that we watch, that we've been affected by, they're not vocally perfect. We want to hear a human being singing. <sighs> so some next steps for you all. I want you to create, you know, a 10 to 15 minute warm up routine. And if you need help with that, and you haven't signed up for an intro lesson yet, you can find that link in my bio. You can also sign up for just a normal 50 minute lesson. I'd love to kind of troubleshoot some things with you. I want you to think about the self-critical voice and who it is that's talking and hopefully try to create maybe a statement that you can use to ground yourself when those things happen. So for me, my statement right now is it's okay to be frustrated. This is frustrating. Any way that you can validate the experience that you're having is awesome. And the third thing I want you to think about is just meet yourself where you are today. In this very moment that you're singing, meet yourself where you are in that moment. And I want to start a little segment at the end of each episode where we thank our voices for something. <laughs> it's kind of weird doing it alone, but I'm planning on having guests on soon, so I'm excited to hear what they have to say. But I'm going to call this a thank you letter to your voice. So today, I want to thank my voice for showing up in 
whatever way it felt like this morning. Because <laughs> as you can hear, it's very tired. So I'm, I'm thankful that my voice is here with me day to day and that it still shows up even when it's tired. All right, y'all. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please feel free to rate and review it and share it with your friends. It's so important. We're getting a little bit more viewers every week, which is really exciting to see. And as always, my DMs on Instagram are open at sing underscore anyway. I'd love to hear from you. And now that I'm starting to have guests on, please let me know who you would like to see. If you yourself would like to be interviewed, I think interviewing other singers about their journeys would be just an amazing thing. All right. I will see you next week. Love y'all.